Are the Jacksonville Jaguars living on the edge when it comes to their pass rush? I'll tell you all about it today here on Locked On Jaguars. You are Locked On Jaguars, your daily Jacksonville Jaguars podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Jaguars podcast, where it's your team every day, and we thank you for making us your first listen. I am Tony Wiggins, the host of said podcast that you can find on YouTube, where you can subscribe for free. It is Locked On Jaguars on YouTube. Make sure you hit that like button, the bell to receive notifications also for whenever we drop an episode. And then wherever you listen to podcasts uh, from an audio perspective, make sure you just tap in every single day to make sure you don't miss an episode because we will drop there also. Also, I want to say hello to my everydayers and welcome to another show. And we call them everydayers because they tune in every single day. And if you're here for the first time, you can be an everydayer too. Just check us out wherever you get your podcast on Locked on Jaguars. Remember, subscribe on that YouTube page. How y'all doing, man? We're almost there. We're almost there with football season, right? So today I'm going to bring up a subject that I've talked about Ad nauseum in the past, but kind of look at it in a different light. And if you can, uh, if you're looking on YouTube right now and you see right there to my, it's it's my left, but you're right on the screen. Are the Jags living on the edge when it comes to their pass rush? How coaches can help the pass rushers in segment two, and then we'll tie it all together. And will the faith pay off? What faith am I talking about? I'm talking about the faith of both Trent Balky as well as head coach Doug Peterson. Trent Baalke is the GM. So we're going to focus most of this on him. To give you some backdrop, uh, the Jaguars drafted Trayvon Walker, and um, they exercised last year, and then they exercised the fifth-year option this year on edge Josh Allen. And then in the offseason, Doug Peterson was asked, head coach Doug Peterson was asked what needs to improve the most. He said, pass rush. And then the Jaguars proceeded to go into free agency and they didn't sign any big names. They did not draft on day one or day two a pass rusher. They did get the young kid, Abdullah, from Louisville, who is thought to be a guy who could get after the pass a little bit. But you would think that a team that wanted to improve the one thing that they thought was the biggest priority would go out and do something to try to improve it. And I have talked about that over and over again. But today I'm going to look at it from a different perspective. I'm going to look at it if I'm Trent Baalke and why you would not try to read read between the tea leaves and and say why you would not do some of the things that I suggested that they had not done yet. The reason is because you're not hedging your bets. And by hedging your bets, I mean doing one thing and then doing something else just in case it doesn't happen. Or that one thing doesn't work. They are betting on themselves. And by themselves, I mean his ability to draft, his department's ability to scout, the coaches that they have selected to coach, specifically Coach Brenton Buckner. And if you are watching on, uh, if you see the thumbnail for this, whether you see it on social media, that's him. That's him. And they are also depending on the players 
to take it upon themselves to improve. And they want to improve the pass rush, but they believe they already have the tools for that pass rush to improve. So that's why they don't go out and double up. I had this conversation last year, the trade deadline. Folks were saying, why not trade for Brian Burns? Brian Burns is a hell of a player. If Brian Burns would have come up for uh, trade, I think 31 teams would have called and said, what are you looking for? Because he's just that good. But from the Jaguars' perspective, it would not have made sense to give up what I thought would have been two first-round picks for a guy like that, pay a guy like that over a $100 million contract, which I think that's going to happen too, and then still keep Josh Allen, who's on a fifth-year option, and you hope that he plays lights out and you're going to give him an extension because there was absolutely no push to trade him from inside the building. And that you had Trayvon Walker, who you say is an outside linebacker edge. All the while, you have guys making uh, over $10 million a year at both defensive tackle spots. Considering that you run a hybrid defense, which is a 4-3 and a 3-4. 3-4 on base downs, 4-3 in nickel. Just does not make fiscal responsibility sense. Or fiscal, it's not fiscally responsible, however you want to say it. There are some things you can and cannot do. They would have been hedging their bets had they done something like that. So you ask, well, why did you think, Wig, that they were going to go out in the offseason and get one of those frontline guys? It ties in with the fact that Josh Allen has one year left on his contract, and I thought they would use him to do it. I thought they would trade him along with an asset and replace him not add to it because here's what does and doesn't make sense. When you go, he's too good. He might not be TJ Watt or, or miles Garrett or anybody like that, but he's too good for you to trade. It's a bird in the hand. Okay. If that's the case, then let's stop complaining that they don't have edge rushers. We're not going to put all of this on a rookie and Trayvon Walker, but just not. Josh Allen had his best season when he had both Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngakwe on the other side. And since then, he hasn't lived up to that. And folks say, well, he needs someone on the other side. No, what he has to do is be Yannick Ngakwe and he has to be Calais Campbell or some combination of those two. And then we can say Trayvon benefits the way Josh Allen did. That's the way this worked. You graduate, you elevate, and you become what someone else was to you. The Jaguar staff must believe that those leaps and those steps are going to happen. If you consider that edge is the most important thing you had to upgrade, but yet and still you had, you didn't go out and upgrade it physically, then that means you think the upgrade is going to come from within. I respect it. Yeah, y'all, y'all, y'all heard me. I said it. I said I respect it. Don't necessarily agree with it, but I respect it. And the reason I why I respect it is because it is not incumbent of the Jaguar staff to tell us what they feel and how they feel about who they feel about it or who they feel it about. That's just not 
what they're supposed to do. In fact, it would be irresponsible of them, of them if they actually did that. I can tell you what we can do. You can look at what they say, what they do and what they don't do. And then use critical thinking to understand exactly how they feel. They feel that they need to play better. And if they're going to play better, they probably need to be coached better. And if they're going to be coached better, that could just mean putting guys in a better position. That could mean coaching guys up individually and teaching them things that they don't know. It could also mean players just getting more acclimated with an entire offseason and their minds are more clear this year than they were in the past. And they're going to play better naturally. It also can mean the offense plays better and situational football comes into effect and guys actually play better because they make the other team one-dimensional. All of those things we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how the coaches can help the pass rush here in Jacksonville. And it'll make this all better for everybody and leave less for us to have to sit here and try to figure out. I'll tell you more about it. In segment two here on Locked on Jaguars, after I let you know that today's show is sponsored by FanDuel. You need to take your first swing at betting on Major League Baseball on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets whether you win or lose. It's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to over under to who you think is going to the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, you win and you can get paid instantly. You know how instantly? It's that. There's no better place to bet on Major League Baseball than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And you guys are the official partner of me, Tony Wiggins, in the Locked On Jaguars podcast because you join us every single day because it's your team every day. And we appreciate you making us your first listen. All right. Talking about the edge rushers. The question is, are the Jags living on the edge when it comes to the pass rush? Sure, they are. They absolutely are. But the edge they're living on is they're betting on themselves. They're betting on the GMs. They're betting on the scout. They're betting on the coaches and they're betting on the players that they do. And they're not hedging those bets. And you can't do anything but respect it. Could they be wrong? Sure. But those are the chances that you have to take. We all sit back, you and me, and criticize every single thing that this team does or scrutinizes, not necessarily criticizes, but scrutinizes every single thing that this team does and everything that they don't do and everything that we think they should do. That's like pocket watching and spending somebody else's money. I know what that feels like because people tell me what I should and shouldn't do every day whether it's here doing a podcast or doing something else. Shout out to my wife, Kim, who's at work today, and she'd probably tell me I'm saying something wrong if she was standing right over there right now. But you have to live with the decisions and the choices that you make. And I think the Jaguars are going to do that. They are going to sink or swim with the very important aspect of being able to disrupt the passer with the guys that they have being coached by the coaches that they have. To me, this is Trent Baalke saying those players are good enough and I believe in you to make them better. Does it mean that they'll have an alpha pass rusher? 
Not necessarily. They did re-sign Juwan Smoot. They've done some other things to, I think, some guys along the defensive line that play uh, the positions where you think they're really playing sort of a gap and hold and they're really playing the run. It looks like guys like Adam Gossis are slammed down. They drafted some people. They signed Dogby and they drafted this kid Lacey out of Wake Forest. So you, I mean, Oklahoma State, you, you really consider or think that they believe that improving their pass rush may not mean going out and getting one of the five or six, the Michael Parsons of the world, that improving their pass rush means that everybody has to play a part. Everyone has to do it collectively and everyone has to be on the same page. Almost a by committee approach the way we've seen teams like Baltimore in the past do it. The 49ers ranked very high in pass rush, but they were, did not rank as high in sacks. And you can chalk a lot of that up to teams knowing how good they are as a pass rush team and saying, we got to get the ball out quick. So statistically, they may not have been as high as everyone else with that, but it seemed like it because people knew that that was a very disruptive part of their team and teams were afraid to play into that trap. So teams game plan to make sure that they ran the ball, tried to wear them out and that they got the ball out quickly. That is just as effective as stat numbers and sack numbers when we talk about statistics. So that means the coaches can play a big role in this, and this is how they can help. Get guys to buy in on that thought process. And sometimes it's hard to do that when guys get paid because of how many sacks they get. But the coaches can get guys to buy in on the process that maybe they don't have a dude on that roster that's going to get 10 sacks. That doesn't mean he's not capable. I just mean they won't. They, they, they will be an effective team. What if they got two guys that had eight and a half sacks apiece? Two more guys that had over five sacks, somewhere between five and seven sacks. And then some other guys that had two or three. And then you look up at the end of the year and they got 49 or 50 sacks. And you're like, they were very, very effective at getting after the quarterback. That might be the type of situation this is. This might be a situation where every single body plays a part and they're chasing the quarterback off of a square and he's either throwing the ball away, making bad reads, throwing the ball in the dirt, getting rid of the ball, throwing it out of bounds because he doesn't want to get sacked. As long as the Jaguars do whatever is required to make sure that that team punts the ball, limit their multiple first down possessions, and effectively get after the quarterback. Cincinnati, I think, did a real good job of it. I don't even know where they were ranked. Maybe I can look this up real quick and find out where the 22 teams ranked and just tell you to try to back this argument up. Now, where this isn't going to jive is that the first two teams with the best sack totals are the two teams that went to the Super Bowl. Philly had 70 and Kansas City had 55. So right there, you're like, and bode well for your argument, Chief. Those guys have alpha pass rushers. They have great players. Third is the Dallas Cowboys with 54. They're tied for third with the Patriots. There you go. The Patriots do not have a guy that you would consider an alpha pass rusher. Dallas does and Michael Parsons. But there's Baltimore sitting right there at 48. No alpha pass. Well, Judon could be considered that. And then New Orleans, of course, with Cam Hayward is 48. The Jets have Quinnen Williams. The Seahawks at 45. 
Who's their alpha pass rusher? The Bucks have 45. They got a couple. The Colts at 44. They definitely have it mostly from the interior. And then they had Yannick Ngakwe last year as well. And they're the 49ers right there with 44. So, no, they're not as low as I probably thought they were. I think there's a stat that talks about quarterback pressures or something that has them a little bit lower. But the 49ers are still sitting right there in the top dozen. The commanders have alpha pass rushes. The Giants, they have the same thing. The Bills, the Chargers. So when you look up and you see these teams at the top, they do have these guys. But then you look down and you see the, the Cleveland Browns, they're six from the bottom, and they have one of the best pass rushers in the league. So maybe it kind of tells you the Raiders were, were third from the bottom. The Raiders were – Cleveland was one sack lower than Jacksonville, and the Raiders were seven sacks or eight sacks lower than Jacksonville, and they have Crosby. Max Crosby is one of the best pass rushers in the league. So just having an alpha pass rusher alone doesn't get it done. A little bit of a team thing. And having an alpha pass rusher while – your team is very good, does seem to help. But maybe in the the Jags situation, it's not necessarily. It's not necessary. I said it's not necessary. It's not necessarily the things uh that that's required here in this situation i'm just trying to find a way here and i'm looking up some information here i'm trying to find a way for the jaguars to justify not doing anything and trying to find a way for you as fans to believe okay i'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the gm and i'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to the coaching staff the question begs this Will the faith that they have in each other and themselves and their ability, will it pay off? What if it does? And what if it doesn't? And what's the effect that that has on how this team plays this year? I'm going to tell you all of that in just a second here on Lockdown Jaguars. All right, third and final segment here. Unlocked on Jaguars, are the Jags living on the edge when it comes to their pass rush? By the way, training camp is going on today. It's a little rainy, so I think it started outside, maybe wanted to move inside a little bit early, and then they're back outside. So because I was headed out there, and when it started drizzling, I turned around because here's the thing. If I get caught in the rain, I got to run. Right now, I can't run because I'm waiting on having surgery on my hip replacement, and I probably could run a little bit, but then I'd pay for it tonight with no sleep unless I took something off really I'm not keen and taken to make the pain go away. So I kind of put myself in a situation and that's why I did not attend training camp today, but I will give you an update on what happened today and what happened tomorrow. And if there's any news and there's no news that broke, that's why I waited a little bit to uh, start recording. No news broke. So uh, this is not an evergreen show that I said all of that to let you know that this is not an evergreen. It ain't something I recorded two weeks ago. This is today. While uh, camp is going on and they're going to be going in pads soon so i will be there tomorrow barring that the weather allows me to go out there i don't want to be trying to duck the weather so we're talking about whether the jags are living on the edge because they said pass rush was the most important thing that they needed to improve and the way you improve that is to either go out and get people uh, to help you improve it or to play better 
or swap some of your parts out. And they didn't do any of that stuff. So I think they're going to depend on the people that they have, obviously, and the coaches that they have. There was a lot of talk this weekend when Daniil Hunter's name was being floated around. The only way they can do that, because Daniil Hunter doesn't want to sit here on the pine, and they're not going to put Josh Allen on the pine, and they're not moving Trayvon Walker on base downs inside like a lot of people suggest. If they don't start a dude that they pick first in the second round, and this and and he needs to start because I think he's one of their better players. That would mean that they 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 would have to admit something that they don't want to admit, and they shouldn't admit it. And and and, and that's like they used to pick on a guy who needed to be developed to the point where he couldn't play right away. And that's not the truth with Trayvon. I don't believe that. So that's why I think these things aren't going to happen. I think if they, if they would have made a move like that, it would have probably involved Josh Allen. And that's the sense that I'm making. But a lot of people that so, so many people look at this as, well, that's you hating on Josh. No, I'm not hating on Josh. I'm just trying to make sense of the NFL and the way that they do things and, and how they go about their business. I'm not hating on anybody. I'm just trying to make sense of the entire situation on how they can better the team and not necessarily going out and getting other people. A lot of this would, a lot of these things would alleviate themselves if this is what happens. If the light switch or the switch that we all think that Trayvon has, if it comes on, there's talk of uh, coach Buckner said, look, he's playing with more confidence or practicing with more confidence. I can buy and believe that. I don't think he lacked confidence in himself. I think he lacked confidence in knowing what the hell he was supposed to be doing because we've all questioned why he was dropping back so much in the coverage. We've all questioned why they all would all do that. But that's the defense that they decided to run. At some point, Doug Peterson has been around a long, long time. If he thought that doing that was wrong, then he wouldn't have got Mike Caldwell or he'd probably tell Mike Caldwell, abandon that crap. But that's not what's happening. I think they're all trying to get it figured out. And, and I think we have to give them room to try to figure out and get better in that area. To say that you need something and to have choices on how you can improve that area and still use those. And, 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 and the choice that you make is to stick with your status quo and just improve and get better at what you do. To me, that is the ultimate sign of being humble having humility and taking self-accountability that we need to do better, not just the players, but we need to do better. And we heard Doug Peterson last year talk so much about we got to get like guys lined up in the right spot. And that's one thing I love about him and his staff. They're not pointing fingers at other people. They take the blame for everything. We have to do better. Isn't that a breath of fresh air? Instead of throwing the stuff against the wall and see what sticks or threatening guys that they're going to be pumping gas, which is a dumb threat because that's not the way the CBA and the NFL works. If you got guaranteed money, whether he's pumping gas or not, you're going to pay him. And then if you wave him, somebody else is going to pick him up. So all of those blind and idle threats, man, really don't mean a hill of beans. And y'all, we have a coach here that knows that. There's a coach here that gets that and there's a coach here that understands that and Hopefully, because of that faith and because of that honesty, those are the things that's going to help these guys get better. And a bigger and the bigger part of it is you got faith, you got confidence in your staff. And now that's easier to, for you for the players to get to understanding and get to the understanding of what they need to do in order 
to be really, really good for the team. So in a nutshell, here's what I think is going to happen. I believe they're going to improve the rush. I believe they're going to be disruptive. I can't tell you that they're going to have 45 or 50 sacks. That's not what I'm trying to say. And I can't even tell you who's going to have them. But what I will believe, I think there's a total team effort. Watch out for Jordan Smith making a little bit of an impact because I've seen him in practice. And if he's a guy that's going to go out and get you those five or six sacks that Arden Key got last year, that's going to be huge. I think Dewan Smoot is going to play well like he always does. I think they're going to rotate players. I think everyone's going to stay fresh. And because of that, I have the utmost confidence. And the offense is going to play better and be more explosive. Get out early, get ahead so that now we can play situational football and we can get our players in a position to go out and chase the quarterback and make plays. I think they're going to send Devin Lloyd through the A-gap or around the corner. I think you'll see, you'll still see those guys blitzing off of the slot, whether it's like we saw last year, whether it's the newcomer in Antonio Johnson or whether it's Deuce. Number two, who, if, if you think about it, Rayshon Jenkins got the sack that sent the Jaguars to the Super Bowl, and the, the fumble, ironically, was picked up by Josh Allen, and Josh Allen had dropped back in the coverage, the very thing the Jaguar fans and even some people in the media like me have questioned why they do so much, and returned it for a touchdown and sent the team to the playoffs. Keep in mind, they also did a very good job of harassing Justin Herbert in the second half to prevent a touchdown from being scored in that playoff game. After they couldn't get out of their own way in the first half, the, the Chargers never really, I think they had one long drive, but the other, they got up 27 to nothing because they had a short field because Trevor kept throwing interceptions. Limit those mistakes, create more uh, situations and create more things on your own. And I think the Jaguars are going to be fine and that pass rush will be fine. So I do think the question is, will their faith pay off? So in a nutshell, are the Jags living on the edge with their pass rush? Yeah, they are a little bit but they're depending on themselves and they're betting on themselves, how coaches can help the pass rush, better situational football, knowing who does what, having a smart rotation and having guys have a better understanding of what they're supposed to do. And will the faith pay off? I'm going to say, yes, I'm not going to say we hope so. I'm not going to hedge my bets. I'm going to say, yeah, it will pay off in the Jaguars defense will benefit from a better pass rush. I'm beneficial and I'm more beneficial from you being here every day here on Locked on Jaguars, make sure you check out Locked on NFL. Also, make that your next watch. Locked on NFL podcast is free on YouTube to subscribe to as well. And wherever you get your podcast, an episode will drop every single day. Another shout out to FanDuel for sponsoring today's show. Make sure you check out FanDuel for all of your Major League Baseball bets. It's FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Make sure you use FanDuel.com slash locked on. All right. We'll check you out tomorrow. I'll go to training camp. I'll give you the musings and the news and notes and any big stories that might break. We don't want any huge stories unless they're good ones. Because there have been a lot of things going on around camp and training camp, some other teams that I don't want to happen here. So far, so good, though. We'll cross our fingers. And I'll cross my fingers that you join us again tomorrow for another episode of Locked on Jaguars. Until then, take care of each other.